Yeah, man. Uh, say it. Stand up and, and speak out against the mainstream narratives. Speak out against these people. The worst thing that could happen is somebody comes to you and says, hey, you're canceled now. And, and your answer to that <laughs> is, no, I'm not. And that's it. All right, everybody, we're back for another episode of The Blind Shot. Today, I brought in my buddy Tab. Uh, Tab ran his own business doing a coffee shop. Uh, style restaurant and then turned that into a vending business up in South Bend for about 20 years. We got into a little bit of that this week. We talked to Tab about what it was like to come down to Charlotte and work there in that blind workshop where I met Tab and we actually became friends about almost 10 years ago now. So that's what we have for you this week. But first, I want to clear up just a little bit of business about the show. Uh, I got the new mic. It's all working well. Sounds much better, but it's a learning curve. I'm getting there. Also, if you didn't catch it, where I briefly dropped a hint about it, I have switched my recording software. I've gotten away from Audacity. While it is free and I do love it for editing, it, it it's not what I was looking for for recording. Uh, just the ways I have to do things. OBS is much better for me. I prefer it. I, I like the way it works. But again, it's brand new software. I've only used it about three times so far. I am learning quickly, but bear with me a little bit. All right, thank you for all that. Now, the next thing on my agenda is replacing a faulty hard drive in my PC because these project files are around anywhere from 2 to 4 gigabytes per, and I'm doing a show a week. So with 15 gigs left on my hard drive, which I literally just had to sit here and clean out for over an hour, and my secondary died because it was a mechanical drive. It burned out and is dead and gone now. So... That's the next thing on the agenda for equipment for the show, because I need space for the audio. And I have other ideas, but they involve some some reaction videos to things. I, I, I want to go through some stuff and, and review a few things, but I can't do that with no space to save files. And I'm getting low-capacity hard drive warnings weekly from my audio editing software. That has to get done shortly. Next up, Patreon content is coming. The end of this interview with Tab, and you'll get a little sneak peek at some of the stuff that might be Patreon content. I don't know yet. Um, that That's the way I'm leaning with it. I do have some other ideas, and I'm going to make time to record some of the personal stuff for me for the Patreon top tiers and stuff like that. Start getting all that in the works. I am currently, as I'm taking a break to record this i am simultaneously rebuilding the website it's becoming a lot simpler it's going to be a lot more streamlined one or two pages everything all right on the main page collapsible if i can figure it out and it's going to be a lot easier to deal with and still free because hey, my money's going into hardware unfortunately because things keep breaking so Stay tuned for this interview from Tab, guys, but that's what I've got on my thing. Oh, yeah, and I took the uh, pre-roll value-for-value AI-generated thing out because I am going to sit down this week, I hope, and get a recording from my personal views on what value-for-value value is and why you should support my show. I feel that it would actually be a lot more appropriate. So that was a temporary placeholder. I went ahead and pulled it out because that way it makes me get this done. Uh, the one at the end is going to kind of stay. I kind of like that one. I think it's, I don't know, it's just catchy to me. I like it. I appreciate you guys bearing with me. I apologize for the audio quality. 
it will be getting better. Just bear with it. Again, apologies, but I think we got a good interview for you with Tab, so that's coming up here in just a second, and if you guys would like to leave us any comments or whatever, you can find all those links at the website. Link in the description because it is a free Google site and it's too long to list. On to the content, people. I'll see you next time. Welcome back to The Blind Shot. Today, I got a friend of mine. Been friends with this guy for about 10 years now. Tab, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. How's your day? I, you know, it's another day. Same shit, different toilet. You know how it goes. <laughs> you know, what I like to say is, you know, I'm as happy as a puppy with two Peters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then again, I mean, nowadays, man, most of the dogs are deep bald. So, I mean, you know, a thousand Peters isn't going to do them much good. But, yeah, well, whatever. okay. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, well, yeah. I, yeah. But, uh. But no, so I wanted to bring Tab in. Tab, Tab's led an interesting life. He's a guy I find very interesting. Me and him became friends about 10 years ago. Like I said, when I met him, started my life at the second blind shop I worked for down in Charlotte. That was the one I gave the longest amount of time to. I guess, I guess we ought to just... Well, let's start at the beginning. We'll come back to the blind shop thing, but let's start at the beginning because that was one of the things that always interests me about, about Tab. There's a program out there for the... Legally blind, it's in, I think it's in almost every state, uh, but uh, it, it goes it by different names. So I'm going to let is. Tab it's, explain that a little bit. Go ahead, man. It's called uh, the Randolph Shepard. It, it was originally called, um, in 1936, Congress passed what was called the Randolph Shepard Act. And this allowed blind people to um, operate vending facilities in federal buildings since then it's you have a version in each state in indiana where i was it's called the vending stand program in uh north carolina it's called the business enterprise program when i went through training i actually did it in chicago and they had another name for it but it's all under the same umbrella and what you as a blind person have the opportunity to do is you can you own the inventory the space belongs to uh the government entity whether it be federal state or local you own the inventory so it's like a own operate situation and you can have anything from a package stand where you're just selling you know canned sodas and candy bars or you can have I had I personally had a coffee shop set up where we did breakfast and lunch and I was out by four. You can have uh, a vending location which can consist of a few machines or even um, as you're going down the highway in rest areas, a lot of those rest area vending operations are owned operated by blind people and i'll tell you what they make in bank well and i know i know a while back i talked to a guy and i forget who this even was but he told me at one point i think it was montana that uh uh, the bep program actually had all the prisons before they went private when i switched from when i switched from the coffee shop and went strictly to vending i had a prison okay and I mean, you know, that's a that's a captive audience, no pun intended. Yeah, well, and, and I mean, nowadays, nowadays that it's went private, man. Uh, some of the stuff you see them doing to prisons, it, it's insane. The only downside to when I was at uh, a correctional facility, I mean, I had other locations 
aside from the correctional facility, that was the only location where I had to give them a percentage right off the top. Well, and I mean, look, anytime that you, you know that uh, uh, when they outlawed the smoking in jails, and then but now all of a sudden it's okay for them to sell vape pens as long as they can sell a $3 vape pen for $25. Oh, yeah, I mean, if you can get if you can get a dollar for a little bag of chips, I mean that's 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 a good day. Yeah, I guess. I don't know, man. I don't know. That that's probably a topic for a whole other episode. I'd, I'd love to tackle corrections one day, but that's outside of the scope of what I'm doing at the moment. We'll see. But uh, so talk about well, this with me, man. Um, you you say when you went through for your training, what was the training for that program like? I mean, how long did it take you to do? Uh, did it cost you anything? At that time, Indiana did not have a training program, so they sent me to Chicago, and I got there in early January, and my training was completed late August. Uh, so, you know, you go through you go through every aspect of what you're going to encounter in your particular business. I was in a package stand for a while. I was in a vending location. I was in a coffee shop. I was even in a cafeteria that served like, you know, 2,000 people a day. And that was fun. Oh, and yeah. with that, also you learn the all the paperwork, the different regulations, the you go through um, a a food service course where you get certified in food service. That was fun because it was up on the 95th floor of this one building. And, you know, what a view. Right. Uh, right. You, you learn inventory and basically all the, all the, all the paperwork and all the, you know, nuts and bolts that go, goes with it. But then as part of your OJT, your on the job training, if you don't have people skills, you can, you can really hone those in a like a live fire situation but then that also helps them weed out those people that like you, you should really shouldn't be doing this yeah right so, right right well because i'm especially i mean self-employment's not for everybody anyway dealing with the public isn't for everybody hell that's why i sit behind a microphone yeah um really? I, I i'm one of those people i should leave the public alone at this point but hey you know, you, you kind of made a statement there, and it brings me back. It takes me out of BEP, Randolph Shepard, just a little bit, though. Uh, describe to my audience uh, a little bit about your vision, Tab, because I, we all know blindness runs a spectrum, and uh, we've had Hope on who was completely blind, and I had uh, Mad Max on last week, or the week before last, and he's legally blind like me. Uh, describe to my audience your vision. I was born with something called optic hypoplasia, which is where my optic nerve was underdeveloped at birth. In my good eye, I have 2,800 vision. And for those people, from the best way I can describe, you know, those numbers, if you have 20-20 vision, you see at 20 feet what you should see at 20 feet. So I see at 20 feet what a normal person would see at 800. Yep. To put it into... Uh, to put it into practical numbers, I have 20-20 vision at half an inch. Uh, that's an interesting way to do that, huh? I, I've never actually <laughs> sat down and done the math on mine. Good Lord. 
Huh, that's interesting. That's interesting. So course, hey, you got to keep in mind. You got to keep in mind. My nose is three quarters of an inch. You know, three quarters. So it it never really gets into focus. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, if I'm driving, we're both drunk. I can be very persuasive when you've had a few. Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, you know, I, a lot of us half blind people have driven plenty. It doesn't mean it's legal. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, I mean, I grew up grew up riding dirt bikes and shit. So, there you go. You know, I it, it's an interesting life when you do it right. And I don't know. My well, life was kind of always the the thing that said, hey, you know what? There is no rule that says I have to be this way because I look at some of the shit I've done. Right, and see, since I was born this way, this is all I've known. Same I here. Met, I have met plenty of people who have lost their sight, and you know quite a few of the same people. Yes. Um, that they don't quite make it through. Uh, well, and and it's not just those people. I'm, I mean, you know, I know a lot of people that are blind from birth and, and have been sheltered their entire lives and don't make it through well. Um, right. It's why I consider myself fortunate. I kind of grew up with a dad who didn't really know what to do with me with my eyesight and let me figure it out. Because if he wouldn't have... Same with my parents. Yeah, right. And and I mean, he'd step in if he needed to, but for the most part, by like 12 or 15, I learned how to just deal with it on my own because I was going to have to my whole life, so I might as well, you know? All right. Well, thank you for that, and uh, y- you know, I-, I only brought that up because you brought up the view out of the 98th floor window. I wouldn't mind. Well, what? I had I had my good eye with me so you could look down on the swimming pools. Oh, man. okay, okay, yeah, uh-huh. you got the got, got the glass eyeball, huh? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, the old <laughs> telescope. I love those things. I-, I actually mentioned them in one of my episodes. I think, yeah, the, mm-hmm. the you the, did the, uh, overpriced, outrageous nature of that and the. The advantage they like to take for, of us. I've found them for fifty-three bucks. Oh man, you can get them even cheaper. Go on Amazon, you can get them for like twenty-five bucks. Okay, all yeah, day yeah, long. I have, to, I have to get mine rubber coated. Oh, that's fine, dude. Yeah. On literally on Amazon, you can now get like the uh, the digital one, right? That sure. like runs off of batteries, but it's night vision and shit, and it'll take pictures and everything else. It's only like seventy-five bucks. I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, that's what I'm saying. A lot of these people don't understand this. I, anytime you want something blind tech, man, first of all, go look on Amazon. And if that doesn't work, I take a risk. Check out eBay because you'd be amazed what some of these people are making in other countries. Um, I Like, you know, the uh, you, you've heard of the Victor Reader, right? Yes. Okay, well, that, that thing is, man, it's nothing special as far as tech goes. I mean, they just released a new version because it finally has Bluetooth headphone support. Okay, in, in 2023, they finally got Bluetooth headphone support, but it's still $550. I'm talking to a friend of mine there out in North Carolina, a guy you know, uh, used to work there at the workshop with us. But uh, he's working with a nonprofit over in, uh, I believe it's Africa, they're trying to get uh, manufacturing setup. Now they're going to make an alternative to this thing that will come with a collapsible solar panel to charge it, and they're going to manufacture this thing for like thirty-five to fifty bucks. So, so I'm sitting here going, okay. So, how much is Humanware making off every one of them? They're selling at five hundred and fifty bucks because they're not even designing it or, or setting up manufacturing. All that stuff's already in place. Well, you know, China's moving into Africa, so they can do it smaller and cheaper. 
Yeah, well, I mean, but yeah, that's but that's just podcast. it. Well, but see, that's just <laughs> it, though. No, because I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit. I mean, it's, it, they're looking at manufacturing here and having it all done by disabled people. Now, the parts are probably going to come out of China because there's nothing we can do about the chips and stuff. But I that's okay. that's something I'm actually talking to him about trying to get involved in. I want to help him set that process up. But uh, I, I got to get him to call me back. So, yeah, yeah. What made you choose to go into that program, the Randolph Shepard program, and go after your own business rather than just going to work for somebody else? What led you down that road? At the time, I was uh, I was working at a grocery, and that was my first job. I'd been there for probably five or six years, and I got involved with uh, Voc Rehab. I had this. Mm, those I had this excellent, excellent. Um, counselor and he one day you know went down to the office and he's like hey i got this idea i want to offer this to you and it just sounded like something that just sounded fun i mean i did two years of college and i was looking at just a regular general studies degree and he's like hey you can go into your own business so so was it the the your own business part that drew you to it or was it the food service part that drew you to it I hadn't been really involved in food service other than, you know, uh, going, you know, helping out in the deli at different times. But I think it was just doing my own thing. Okay, um, okay. And, you, uh, you know, when your name's on the door, you, I don't know, it just sounded fun. Maybe it was the way he presented it. Well, so maybe. He sent, me maybe. To, he sent me to Chicago. I was there. And then... Uh, early September of 89, I went back to Indiana, hung out at the folks' house for like two weeks while I was transitioning to South Bend, and then uh, did that for, did Tab's Hideaway for 20 years. Okay, okay, damn. I, I honestly didn't know you ran that for that long. I knew you were doing it for a while, but I never realized you were doing that for 20 years. Well, I took it over in 90, and then in 2001 or 2002, I really, I got burnt out on the public. I mean. Okay. Okay. Um, So, 20 years, man. Um, So, during that 20 years, did, you were running your your Tabs Hideaway there in Indiana, you said. Did they ever send you any people to train there? I've, I trained a few people there, but this was back in South Bend. Oh, but, okay. you know, occasionally the state would send me their own trainees to train in the the small restaurant right. phase of their OJT. Okay. So then when I, when I switched it over to vending, I had doubled the income, but I think I was just tired of you know, all the people. So my business counselor, um, he's like, you know, a change had to be made. And so we talked about either adding more seating or adding more equipment and just blowing the operation out or switching it all over the vending. And that's what we ultimately did. I mean, we, we took and ripped out that, ripped out that restaurant, threw in, um, 15 uh 15 vending machines of all shapes and flavors 
and I totally pissed off my car- customer base because uh, they missed me. Um, but uh, I had freedom to go and expand that business to where once I added more locations, not just, you know, where I started, but, you know, I took that from uh, income of 40000 up to over a hundred. Well, and see, th- this is the thing I will never understand. So you, you've got something out there like the Randall Shepard program that seems to work rather well when it worked. Uh, now, I know a little bit more recently about it, and, and honestly, here anymore, it's virtually impossible to actually get into. Uh, it's just like everything else ran by the government. There's waiting lists and and lack of locations, and and uh, they don't let you start new ones anymore. You've got to take existing ones, and you have to work your way through a through a, uh, um, a it's a seniority based thing. So you can only get good locations once you've been involved for ten years or more in some cases. And uh, the bureaucracy kind of ruined it a little bit, but yet. I look at that, and I, I look at all the things they missed, man. I Why didn't they do a program like that for, like, Redbox when it came out, or, or like, ATM machines or something? Well, I'm sure that you, for, because nowadays, like, when I was in it, you know, you had coffee, glass fronts, uh, uh, the variety of machines got more expansive as time went by, and... When I was in it, uh, Redbox I don't think existed yet. Well, no, until not they yet. Realized, until they realized, you know, we can put anything and shove it out of slot. Yeah, well, so, I mean, hey, it's just like uh, Carvana with their car vending machine, you know? I, I'm <laughs> sorry. Once they did that, all bets were off. But uh... <laughs> I need $12,000 in quarters, please. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, now that would be an interesting <laughs> thought. <laughs> oh. oh, man. All right. All right. So, Tab, you uh, did that for 20 years, man. And then you went into vending, and, and you turned it into vending. How long did you keep doing the vending after you changed over? My whole career with Randolph Shepard was 20 years. Total. I did okay. the restaurant. Yeah, I did the restaurant from... 90 until like i said 2001 or 2002 and then uh august of 2007 i just walked in one day and uh it was like for sale i'm done and it was it was one of those i think it was just i was getting burnt out i needed a change of scenery uh some people chalked it up to midlife midlife crisis uh i think the incident that really did it for me was i walked into my main location the one that i trans transformed from a restaurant into a vending operation and there was a lady sitting there at one of the tables having her lunch and i looked over at one of my glass fronts and the glass was all pushed in and i mean somebody jacked it up right and nobody you don't you don't really realize this but on a glass front that's an inch thick plexiglass that's some tough stuff yeah and i went over and i talked to this lady she's like 
I, you know, I saw the guy do this. And being that this was in the complex that it was in, there was uh, the county city building. And I was in this, my shop was in this tunnel that connected the county city building to two separate courthouses. So, you know, and there was a cop that was sitting right down the wall, right down the hall. And this lady says, yeah, I watched the guy do it. And I was like, did you maybe want to go out and tell the cop? She's like, no. And that really, that really affected me because I'd known this lady for years. Uh, like, okay. You, you bitch, I'm out of here. You know, yeah, right, you, you right, guys right. are on, you're on your own. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm semi torn on that on that idea though i don't i don't know where i could but if i'd known you for years and yeah okay then i'm probably gonna go get the cop um yeah my so, my and, my and most recent just, previous life kind of turned me off to the whole calling the cops thing but you know that's i understand that the things that were kind of going on chipping away at me i needed a change of scenery so i went in one day sold all the inventory uh, sent an email to my new business counselor at the time. It's like effective immediately. I quit, which totally pissed him off, sold off, uh, took all the change out of the machines and, uh, moved to North Carolina. Cause I needed to, I needed to go. Okay. What made you, what made you choose North Carolina? Was it just random or did you? Well, you know, some of the biggest things in our life are women. Um, ah. I met this woman and, and she like, uh, I live in Charlotte. <laughs> okay. 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 That's where for a few months. And then, uh, she, then we moved back to Fort Wayne and hung out there for a couple years. I did some menial stuff. You know, I worked at a, at, uh, some place where auto parts, uh, I did pizza hut for a couple months. My favorite job was, there's the uh, Memorial Coliseum in Fort Wayne. Right. And my my dad ran the clock for the Fort Wayne Comets for 50 oh, wow. years. So I kind of grew up on center ice. Right, right, and right. And so then later on, I w went back there and became an usher. And it was it was probably one of my favorite jobs. So we hung out there for about a year and a half. And then... Uh, she went down, she went back to Charlotte and on, uh, for Thanksgiving and I joined her between Christmas and New Year's and she's like, I'm not going back to Fort Wayne. I was like, oh, okay, okay. So I came, I went back to Fort Wayne, you know, quit, quit my jobs and packed up everything and moved to Charlotte and didn't look back. I mean... I will say I, I landed in Charlotte early February of 2010, and in early March, I was working at LSI. Okay, okay. So, yeah, so LSI. Mm, yeah, that's a fun one. The uh, Lions Services, wait, LSI, Lions Services Incorporated, that's right. I keep forgetting they're one yeah. of the Inks, not the LLCs. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Lion Services Incorporated in Charlotte with the wonderful and great CEO who used to run it. 
Well, he's not there anymore. Yeah, I and heard that. And I, I, I don't, unfortunately, I don't really have contact with anybody who is still there. Everybody I talked to from that place fled. So, you know. Well, I hear it's a much happier place. I have absolutely no doubts. No <laughs> doubts at all. I honestly, I am very surprised that man left. I thought they'd carry him out in his box. Yeah, you were hoping. Yeah, well, well, no, I mean, I might have been one of the ones who wanted to help put him there, but, you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll save that for another episode, too. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, so what was that experience like transitioning over from working for yourself and, and having all that control and that freedom to, to working for somebody like that who I just for the sake of brevity here, I, I mean, calling him a tyrant isn't all that out of line. So what what was that like to to have to go deal with that? Was it the change you were looking for, or? Well, I think I think in the long run, yes. Uh, my first experience working there was the fact that I had never been exposed to that many uh, blind or visually impaired people at one time. Yeah, that's a and, shocker, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, when you see a dude walking down the street with a cane or a dog. And a lot of people in the sighted world, they say, oh, man, that poor bastard. I'm glad it's not me. Right. But when you come into a situation where there's like 50 of them headed your way, you want to hop up on a table just to get out of the way. So that was kind of shocking. <laughs> the other part was, yes, I did have to make a transition from working for myself and doing all the paperwork and having the responsibilities to going to, you know, my first few months there, uh, my brain took a break because, you know, it's like when you're working on buckles, you don't necessarily need your brain. Mm, so yeah, that's yeah. when I, I started, you know, uh, absorbing all kinds of content. I went through books, podcasts. Anything just to keep my brain active. Uh, yep, and, that's that's what you got to do in places like that. Because man, they 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 are something that will kill your mind quickly. You know, I have a different, I have a little different perspective than you do about that place because maybe it's just because of my past, uh, because of my experience in the past. So one day I just got up out of my chair, you know, somebody says, hey, I need more of this. I need more of this. And I just went and got the box and filled up their bin and and just started progressing like that. Well, and now, see, and, and I, I don't want to cut you off there, but I, I think our experiences in that place differed a lot because when I tried doing that, I was told very quickly to sit in my seat and stay there if I wanted to keep my job. So... I don't, I, you know, I got no answer for that. I just, I did it. I mean, on my second, on my second day, uh, the HR lady came out to me and she's like, uh, Tab, you can't work and talk at the same time. And I just looked at her. I said, what are we in yeah. grade school? Here? Yeah. Yeah. I remember all that crap. The no talking all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That was some of the dumbest crap ever. And that's, that's where I think that they do try and do that. They try and run it like a grade school. That, that was always the thing that I found very offensive about it. I, I, and a lot of people, a lot of people get intimidated by that. I never was. Oh, I never so, cared, but I know but there's a difference between 
you know, not caring and not being intimidated because it's, it, it's on how you respond to the shit they're giving you. Being where my facilities were in Indiana, uh, I was in politic ground central, so maybe it just kind of rubbed off. Well, uh, and I mean, you know, no offense, you're a little older than me, a little more wisdom, a little more experience, a little more, yeah. little more patience. Uh, that that comes with time. You got to be patient. Yeah, well, uh, no, not really. Not really. Take it from somebody who hasn't gained much over the years. I, I tend to take my father's approach on that one. I ain't a doctor. Why the hell do I need patience? Okay. Uh, you know, um, I, I, I don't suffer fools well. I never have. And when I literally have a boss who's sitting there telling me to do something that is literally going to kill productivity and annoy me in the process, and they are too dumb to understand why that's a bad idea. Well, maybe they shouldn't be a boss. Well, there you go. Um, I, I'm I'm not by any means saying I should be because I don't want to deal with it. But maybe they shouldn't be because they're they're not good at it. And, and some uh, people, there's a lot of people who shouldn't be bosses. Well, that are. And the other thing is too, and and this isn't just there, Sam. And I I don't. This is why I wanted to talk to you because I know you have that perspective from that workshop you were in. I've been in four now. Every one of them is the same. Uh, they all function practically the same. They all have the same BS. They all try and treat you like your kindergartners. Uh, the other thing that I've noticed about them, if you go out here and get a real job, a corporate job, a lot of times there's limits and special exceptions you have to have if family's going to work together. Uh, you know, like when I was at the tech company in Charlotte, uh, if uh, they had a fit because I knew one of the supervisors and, and he was a friend of mine personally in life before I started there, that was an issue. He was just a friend. Uh, that wasn't even saying a relative, but you go into these sheltered workshops and it's like a family affair, man. I, I'm yeah. One sister runs this section, one sister runs that section, the mother runs the other section, and, and, and all three of them are friends with the woman who's sleeping with the boss. Uh, you know... Uh, that that seems to be the norm for these places, and it doesn't it doesn't create a very healthy working environment. That's for sure, or at least it hasn't in my experience. I guess fortunately for my situation, my efforts led me to the back of the building. Yeah, I used I to love it when I was back there with you. That was about <laughs> the best time I ever had in that place. That's just how I roll. I mean, uh, when I left. I think I was the only blind person that had his own department. And you should have seen the look on the old man's face when I told him I was leaving. Yeah. So, well, and I mean, you know, that that would have been nice, but I was already gone. And and the sad part is, I, I say that, and that's the one that I actually did the longest stretch in. I, I look at that one as another sentence. That was the longest one. That one was almost five years. Well, didn't you even come back for a second helping? Uh, well, but that that's what gave me the almost five years, because I ducked out at about four and a half. I was gone for like three or four months, and then I came back mainly to satisfy the girl I was with at the time, because okay. something else didn't work out, and she got nervous and was afraid I wasn't making enough money on my own. Then I made it less than four months, and he fired me. So, you know, when, when you ask a legitimate question, eh, well... God forbid, you can't do that. You're not allowed to do that because you uh, you were insubordinate and caused a scene. Even though 15 people within 10 feet never even knew I was talking to the man. But hey, whatever. Yeah, well, 
and, know, and you've moved on. See, now you're now you've got your own. You know, you got this jam going on here. Yeah, well, and, uh, like I told everybody, man, this ain't a job. This is a hobby. Uh, jobs well, I, pay I, you. I, hobbies you pay for. I keep spreading the word. I'm doing. You know, the time talent. Sorry about the treasure thing. So. Oh yeah, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> I that'll. Income. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. I I know that feeling. <laughs> I definitely know that feeling. Uh, that that is going to be an episode at some point. Is budgeting on a disability income? I I'm telling you, and and honestly, I'm gonna throw that at you right now. I don't want to do it today, but I do want to get you back on at some point. I am going to start for my Patreon content. I want to do a horror stories of disability. Just, you got a beautiful uh, one. Yeah, I know you do. And and a lot of people <laughs> out here do. And I, I do. I'm going to start trying to get some Patreon content together. And that seemed like a good one for me because, man, some of the shit that place pulls is amazing. Let, let's keep on topic here. Let, let's talk about the workshop a little bit. What was it like for you all of a sudden having to work with that many visually impaired or blind people? Because that, that was also something new for you, wasn't it? Yeah, I guess, you know, when, when I was... Uh just uh doing something simple you know like i started with buckles and then i moved to the iron and then i did a couple other things um that was just it depends on the training that you receive uh i got paid to do the job but when i got the department i got paid to get the job done and so then I became the trainer, and uh, you know, sometimes those personalities, you have to, you have, it's like building a team. And huh, you know, I, it, I you, seem to recall a certain person telling me once it was like herding cats, but yeah, yeah, and it, it can be. Um, so you remember some of the people that were in my department and oh, yeah. there were some days when i wanted to i wanted to kill y'all <laughs> <laughs> somehow we got it all done and maybe i don't know if there was you know it's just you spend that much time with a certain group of people that you just kind of kind of learn each other uh, i think it was partially that but i think part of it too was your attitude and approach was much different than most people because you were never afraid to actually tell us what was going on it, you were never that one that would that would i mean I, I guess maybe you did in some ways that we didn't know but i worked in other sections in that place a lot and when i did i, I the people in charge they wouldn't tell you nothing hey what orders are we doing hey what's got to be done hey i you know should i be uh working at my fullest potential right now or should i take it easy because i know i can work myself out of a job here and most and other, most of the other leads started came in as a lead or an assistant i started as a monkey yeah, well, so, and, and see, that's my other point, too, and this is where I say these places are very discriminatory and unfair. They're supposed to be built for people like us, but yet you got to come in the door at the bottom, and everybody else gets to start at the top. I, it seems a little bit weird to me, man. I, 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 don't, I don't think it's what's intended, but that's the way every one of them works. I think it's like the sighted community having to deal with something that they really don't understand. So, you know, you don't want to break these people, 
you want to give them well, the potential. Okay, let me ask you this, kind of a side question. How many times have you told somebody that you're blind and they talk to you like you're stupid? <laughs> Entirely too damn much. Well, See, actually, no, I, I shouldn't say that. Uh, I mean, yeah, maybe they try to for about five seconds. Those people I usually don't talk too long. Right, and see, that's the general attitude. These people are going in from a like a, 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 a not, I don't want to say philanthropic, but they want to help. Their hearts are in a good place, but they equate on some like lizard level. I believe blindness with stupidity. Nah, I I tend to take. There's another guy out there, and his thought is that uh, he seems to think that they look at you and they're scared shitless to be you. And, and I, I tend to think that's a big part of it. I, I think it's a fear of of allowing you to achieve anything because they, they picture you as less, so therefore they want to keep you as less. And also, when it comes to the workshops, I think a lot of them, ah, their hearts are in the right place. Yeah, their wallets. Uh, that yeah. That's all they ever care about is the money, man. I can sign on to that. But, you know, another thing is... Uh, one thing I tell people is like, if you judge me because I can't see, you won't see me coming. Very true. Very, very true. I, I don't do much what the, do very well with that whole you're stupid because you can't see thing. Um, but you, you bring up an interesting point also when you said you came in there and you're putting buckles together, but we just sat here and talked about your past. You had owned your own business and, and, and were involved in that for 20 years. You had a couple years college under your belt, Right. I, I mean, is that really, uh, when, when I talked on my one podcast episode about uh, blind people being underemployed, don't you think that would kind of classify as underemployment for your skill set and background? For the time being, but as you know, I took care of that. Well, you know, yes, I, I do understand. That was, that yeah, was underemployment for my skill set, but also part of my skill set involved, you know, patience, initiative, looking to see what needs to be done. When you own your own business, you can look around and see, okay, I got this to do, this to do, and this to do. So when I was sitting there, bored out of my skull, I'd look around. It's like, oh, I can do this. I can do this. If somebody would say, Tab, you got to go sit down. It's like, wait a second, I'm going to do this first and just do it. It's always easier to ask for forgiveness. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and I mean, I, I learned that in Pennsylvania when I worked for a farmer who wanted to put up a large animal feeding operation but uh yeah it was easier it was literally cheaper and simpler for him to just build it and pay the fine than it was to actually get the permit so things like that are fairly common but i i just i don't know man i don't know i i think i think they could serve a great purpose but i think they need a lot of help i i'm not saying it's not a a, a valuable thing to have around for the right reasons, but in my eyes, it's there for all the wrong ones. And I don't know. They don't. They don't ever seem to want to change the way things work there. Some of the things that they get away with doing bother me. I it shouldn't be allowed to happen, but yet it does. So talking about through the whole, because you've been to what you just said four blind yeah. shops. Yeah. And is is this industry wide? I've only experienced the one. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, every one okay. of them is the same way. Um. When and and they all have their toadies. Uh, the one that I will say is a little bit different. There is one in I think it. I want to say Greensboro, North Carolina. They are a little bit different. 
Um, I, I know they have a lot of their low vision people are in office work there. They, they actually have a second location there where it's actually exclusively all blind people and like they do everything. Like, I mean everything. Like, you got a blind guy with a cane pulling a pallet jack through the factory. Like, like I've been there and seen that. That was actually rather interesting. That's the one that I think might be ran a little bit better, but I, I, they wouldn't hire me, so. Well, there you go. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, um, that, that was actually something I did right after uh fired me. Um, I went up there and checked out Greensboro, and... Uh, I, I mean, that was a bad idea, and it didn't work out anyway, but um, wh when I went to the little town of Kinston, where I came here from, when I was in Pennsylvania, there's always one, maybe two, visually impaired, but they're always the very high partials, those 2200s that could, you know, literally, you know, I, I maybe get a pair of glasses and go drive a car, whatever, those kind of people, they will always put a couple of those in the office or, or, or out in the front or, or as a team lead or something. But beyond that, the rest of them are all sit down, push your buttons, and shut up. By the way, don't talk while you're doing it. And that's that's been everyone I've ever been at. Pennsylvania was a little bit different, but that was back in the 90s and the very early 2000s. So I don't know what that one's like now. I have absolutely no clue because all the people that I ever knew that were there are long gone. But that was all in, it was so small, we literally had one boss. And she was actually a pretty good boss. Um, I That was the job that I walked into. And within three days, they're like, yeah, okay, no, we're wasting you. Get up, go do this, go do that, go do this. And that one was all right. That one ended for other reasons, but that was... Uh, that was just lack of communication. They were they were horrible about, uh, you know, hey, okay, here's this government contract. Do you want to work it? Yeah, okay, well, it pays you a lot of money. Okay, great, but I'm doing a lot to get there because I lived out in the country, and I literally, my commute to work every day was about three and a half hours, a and that wasn't driving. That was just a screwed-up way I had to do it. I had to get up early in the morning, go this far with my dad, meet somebody else who'd then take me this far and drop me off here and then meet somebody else. Well, then I, I'd be like sitting at my aunt's house 20 minutes away from the place, getting ready to have my uncle drop me off at work for them to call me and say, hey, by the way, the truck never showed up, so we don't have any work to do today. Don't come in. And I'm going, okay, but I got to come up there because that's where my ride picks me up to go home at four o'clock this afternoon. And, like, I'm already here, so I can't get back home. I don't have a way to. And then it's, okay, well, you can come in, but that $17 an hour contract's not here today, so we'll move you somewhere else, but your pay rate changes and you're getting paid six fifty. Government contracts aren't what they used to be. Uh, well, they kind of are um, in certain There's ways. There's no red tape. There is, but... Well, so, okay, answer me this, because you know a lot about business and stuff like that, and this is something I've always wondered about the sheltered workshops, right? How is it that they can literally 80%, if not more, uh, of the things that all these shops do are all government work, right? Uh, and most of it's military. How are they doing that and not paying government scale wages? How do they get out of... I, because we all know the federal minimum wage went up to 15-something, but yet these people, I, some of them are still paying under the old minimum wage. 
First off, it's because they are a blind shop, and they are a 50C... 501C3. There you go. And and so, but think about this, okay? Because I ran into this. When I left LSI, I was making 16 bucks an hour. And for several years prior to that... I mean, you know about time off. I mean, you know, it just, I mean, it kind of worked out for me because with what I was getting paid per hour, I can only work like 30 hours a week. I'm out the door, baby. Well, but see. And when, when they had time off, I mean, I'd come in for a couple hours in the morning and then I'd go to lunch with my baby. Well, here's the problem, though. Here's the problem. Now, this is the one thing that I will give the man who ran that place. He was very, very smart. In the fact that he never did not pay. I, he was actually good at paying. He was one of the few that was ever good at paying. Um, the rest of them I worked at, I never made as much as I did it with working there in Charlotte. Now, the thing that he did different was he did time off. Most of these shops don't do that. Uh, the other three I've worked at, they don't do that. What they do is they keep your pay low enough that even on the highest paid month, you don't qualify. And, and a lot of them actually have caps in place. Do you think that was because uh, in Charlotte they were a bit overstaffed and they could shuffle people around? Um, so just because there's a higher population density, they could hire more. And because you know there well, was no, there I, were some processes that my my argument against down. my argument against that is where I work now or where I worked when I got out here to Kansas. Man, this shop is almost twice the size of Charlotte. They don't do it. They won't do it. They absolutely will not do it. They won't even consider it. Um, I think the reason why they paid well enough down there in Charlotte is because I think the man who ran it realized that's the only way anybody would stick around and deal with him that was worth having. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I'm going to be honest with you, that's the only thing that kept me there as long as I was there. Because every time I'd get pissed off and annoyed at him for something stupid that they did or whatever, I'd just throw another dollar an hour at me. It was nice that the office kept track of how much you made. I see. I never let them do that for me. I, I've I've oh. never I've never asked any of because they will all do that. Every one of the shops out here happily tracks your money so that you don't go over your disability. Um, the problem that I found is when you ask them to do that, they do it because yeah, they want to make sure you keep that disability check. God forbid they actually help you get to a wage where you didn't need that check anymore. I, heaven forbid that ever happened and you could actually be self-supporting and not have to rely on the government. It's come in handy a few times because there's times when I've had to call them back and say, oh, by the way, I need a list of, you know, my wages for like the past since 2015. Yeah, right. So, and they keep all those records. So, Well, yeah, they have to. I mean, they have to keep the, the pay records no matter what. That's every company. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's... Um, I, I guess, I don't know, man. I, like I said, uh, Charlotte, the only good thing about that place was some of the people, which is the same everywhere. Some of the people are great, but overall, and, and here's another thing that I've kind of noticed too. And, and again, this is in a couple of the shops. I won't say every one of them, but in a couple of them, it, it seems like a lot of the very, the very skilled workers, I, they don't last long. They never seem to remain long. That, that again, tells me they're doing something wrong. 
Uh, people don't quit jobs. They quit bad management. That That is a very relevant statement. True. Um, and I, I mean, I keep seeing it. I mean, we, we all know several people down there. And, and there's one guy in particular I'm thinking of. Now, he was temporary when he came in there. He didn't necessarily tell them that. But he was a totally blind guy that came in there and just blew them away because he actually had a little bit of ambition. He, he kind of knew what he was doing. He, he wasn't helpless. Um, he kind of did his thing. He was there for about eight months, and then he was gone. I see that repeatedly at every one of them. The, the good ones, they come in. They put forth the effort. They're there for a year or so. They see that it's not recognized. They see that nobody cares, and then they leave find that in regular the regular work and day world too so where are we going next with this uh yeah i don't know um i don't have to walk this puppy okay i just wanted to make sure you had enough content to do a you know halfway decent show and, oh yeah and, oh yeah and i but, can always uh, fill in with my rambles all right, man. Well, Tab, it's been great talking to you about all this stuff, man. Um, we're going to have to get you back on. Like I said, I'd, I'd really like to do something on the Patreon with a, a disability horror story. And and uh, one day, actually, you know, that that's a closing thought real quick. Uh, one day, I'm, I might actually like to talk to Patty if she'd be willing. Cause that, like that, what it's like living with a blind guy? Well, and so this is this is kind of a thing that I've got on the back burner. I'm trying to find a, a, a certain group of people that I'd really like to talk to about what it's like to be in a relationship with somebody who's disabled. Because I, I don't know. It seems like a lot of us end up in relationships with sighted people. And, and I don't know if that's by accident or if it's on purpose. And I've always been curious what the other side of that's like. I always have been. What's it like as a sighted person out here in the world to date somebody who's disabled, to marry them, to live with them? You know, I, it, it, it's a topic that's always interested me. I find it fascinating. I'm sure, I'm sure you're going to get, like, uh, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah, well, I mean, we always expect <laughs> that. that yeah, we always <laughs> expect that, but, you know, you know. Um, I'll throw it out to it. All right, yeah, just uh, mention it, but... uh. I appreciate your time, man. Uh, I know you're not really a big internet guy. You're not online much, but is there anything out there you want to promote? Somebody else's stuff or your own that I don't know about or anything like that? Uh, Here's your chance. Listen to the blind shot. This dude has got it going on. <laughs> Why do you have to lie to my guest, Tab? I know nothing. All right, man. I'm out. All right, have man. It's a, I miss talking to you, man. Uh, We'll talk soon. All right, man. Happy Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> All right, everybody. So that was our interview there with Tab. Uh, we'll cut that a little bit short just because he had some stuff to do today, but that's okay. Uh, we're going to get him back on again, like I said, probably on a Patreon show. Uh, do a little bit of that whole discussion of disability horror stories. So that's the next thing that I got on my mind, guys. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and get the hell out of here because, like I said, it is Cinco de Mayo, and I got a little bit of plans. I'm going to go have a little bit of fun today. So, everybody, I don't know when this will be released. Probably about a week from now. So I hope you all enjoy it. And that was The Blind Shot. We'll see you next time. This is a Value for Value production. If you're getting any value out of this show, or if you're wanting to help us make the production quality better, then please visit any of the links in the show description and head on over to our support page and help us out with your idea of fair value. 
If financial support isn't your thing, then consider sharing the link to the show. Otherwise, you can always leave us a show review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to help others find the show. We say thanks in advance for your assistance and wish you a good day.